Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. It is Wednesday, March 24th. Glad to have you along today as we are thinking this week about texts related to the theme of reconciliation. Um, Such an important theme to be considering, particularly during Lent, as we yearn for the healing of human relationships. As always, three texts for you. One is Psalm 133, Genesis 45, 4 to 15, and Matthew 5, 21 to 26. And I'd like to read for you from Genesis 45 this morning. Again, I'll start in verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father-in-law, father, how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Well, this is a beautiful scene of reconciliation. You know, that's our theme for the week. Um, It's interesting, though, in that it takes a long time to unfold. Like, what I've read for you is just the end of the story of reconciliation. Um, But it's kind of the culmination of something that's been going on for several chapters. So the first time, you know, that Joseph's brothers appear before him to beg for food um, because of the famine that's going on uh, back in Canaan, um, the first time his brothers appear before him, they don't know that it's Joseph, obviously. And during that time, Joseph accuses them of being spies. Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph. And so Joseph accuses them of being spies. And over the course of three chapters, Genesis 42, 43, and 44, right, Joseph goes through this long time of kind of testing his brothers to see what kind of people they are now because they have sold him into slavery. That's how he wound up in Egypt in the first place. And then through a series of events that God orchestrates, he winds up in this position of power. And so now he's wanting to know what kind of people his brothers have turned into in these ensuing years. And he's obviously, he's still really hurting that they've mistreated him for so long. So during these these three chapters, 42 to 44, right, Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs, who, if you've ever read um, his work, it's just astounding. Um, some of his writing um, creation and covenant uh, 
is just it's fabulous stuff. So read, read Rabbi Jonathan Sachs on this. But Rabbi Sachs talks about what happens over the course of these chapters. He says, first, Joseph wants to know that they're remorseful, that these brothers are remorseful. So the first thing he does is he hides his identity from them, and they he's listening as they are speaking to each other in Hebrew, and they don't know that he can understand. And he said, and they say to each other, Surely we are guilty because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And Joseph knows when he hears this, hears this that they get it. Right? Joseph knows that they feel badly for what they've done and that they're reckoning with what they understand to be consequences for their actions. He, he sees that they, they get it, you know. The second thing, Joseph wants to see if they have changed. And so he frames Benjamin, the youngest, on a false charge. You can go ahead and read the text if you want in there. But he, he frames Benjamin and says that Benjamin can't, uh, he's going to take Benjamin prisoner, basically. And Judah, one of the older brothers, offers to become a slave in Benjamin's place so that Benjamin can go free. And this also speaks to Joseph. Joseph realizes, my brothers have changed, right? This brother that they could be very jealous of, just as they were jealous of Joseph in the old days. This brother, now they realize, we have a responsibility for him. We have a responsibility to our father. We can't let this happen again. And so Judah's willingness to become a slave for Benjamin also really speaks to Joseph about how they have changed. Finally, Rabbi Sachs points out, that Joseph has also changed. Uh, this is what Rabbi Sachs says about it. Quote, He has reframed his life so that the entire story of his relationship with his brothers has now become utterly secondary to the drama of divine providence that is still unfolding. He explains, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. This is what allows the victim Joseph to forgive. So not only do we see that the brothers have changed, but now Joseph has changed too. He's no longer framing his life in one way, but saying basically, I understand now that I'm participant, a participant in a larger drama and that God has something in mind for me that's more than just my slavery or freedom, but that I am content to be a player in this larger drama. And that also enables Joseph to be in a place where he can reconcile. And so it's really interesting to me here that reconciliation involves both parties changing. And it seems to me that, at least when I consider reconciliation in my life, I often only think of it from one perspective. And it's very tempting when I'm going through a broken relationship to imagine that actually the fault lies entirely with the person who's not me. And this text reminds us, certainly Rabbi Sachs' treatment of this text reminds us that no, there are changes that can go on in each of us. I can't make forgiveness happen by convincing someone else that they bear all the burden. I've got to bear some of the burden of this too to become the kind of person who would forgive. And I also need to be in a place where I um, recognize that I can speak the truth and hope for reconciliation with someone else, right? That it's not just a matter of um, 
me sort of waiting around for them to, to remember to reconcile, but that my desire for reconciliation might lead me to a place of truth-telling, honesty, and graciousness. And I can hope that the other person will extend that to me, right? Because there's another person who's in that conflict who might be looking at it as all my fault. And so uh, I can also, when that person starts to tell me the truth, I can really listen well because I'm more interested in reconciliation than I am in being proven right in the moment. So for me, again, if you wanted to to Google this, I mean, you can certainly find this. I found one of these articles by Rabbi Sachs online. Uh, a lot of his writing is there, but his writing about Joseph just really kind of draws me in. Because uh, reconciliation is something which doesn't just happen because sort of one person has it in mind, but two parties have in mind to tell the truth and to... Um, set the past in the past, being clear about what has happened, but also not allowing it to dominate who we are going forward. And uh, until both those things happen, reconciliation can't really, uh, can't really happen. God, these are hard things to think about. Each of us, I'm sure, can think about a personal conflict with someone else. And undoubtedly, uh, God, there are times when we are wronged, where someone has hurt us, and um, that's very painful for us. We pray, God, that you'll help us to see what we can do in the middle of that kind of conflict. Certainly, Joseph didn't need to apologize for anything he had done. He just was a victim. And yet, he also grew and became someone who was ready to forgive in different ways because of the way that he changed during this time and the way that he understood himself now as a player in your drama. We pray, God, that you'll give each of us that, uh, that clarity of our, ourselves, of our own lives, so that we can be given the gift of extending forgiveness as Joseph did. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Everybody, so much fun to talk to you. We'll look forward to talking tomorrow. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.